to do against this guy. Yeah, more in the mood for a beer right now. Um. <laughs> Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Backhanders. Here we bring you all the ins and outs of the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam and are unafraid to slam tennis. And this slam cutters in particular. Here we are at the French Open Preview Edition. And I'm your host, Lightning, and with moi, Le, le Cat, uh, 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 Chatters, no, Chateau, uh, non, non, uh, uh, comment t'appelles-tu? Ah, uh, oui, 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 Chatters, bonjour, Manuel. Bonjour, Lightning. Good to see you in fine spirits, my friend. I, too, am feeling relaxed and well. I've had a really good morning. I know that we're in slightly different worlds at the moment. I'm uh, enjoying Europe for all its beauty, and you're still in your small man cave in Melbourne, locked down for the 20th week in a row. But I don't want to rub it in, but I, I did enjoy a nice leisurely stroll this morning to my local cafe yeah. to have my black coffee and croissant, which I then enjoyed being able to lick my waitress on the face <laughs> after, of course, she'd signed a consent form, of course, all above board, <laughs> on my way back to playing touch rugby in the park with the emphasis on touch because we are enjoying a COVID-free liberal society lightning Ugh. i'm not even wearing clothes i'm feeling that liberal today but yeah. you wouldn't understand because it's no. it's a european mindset and i'm embracing how the french are also approaching this open lightning yes. covid was so last month it's time to <laughs> open up the shutters smell the roses and start just grabbing people in public because good times are ahead lightning cat as i i I'm a bit surprised. Usually at this episode, a preview edition for the French Open, you'd be on your deathbed. You'd be railing at the skies, having to play on the devil's dirt. What's happened? Why all this love for the French? I don't know, Lightning. I I feel like it's my honour and duty to play the role of devil's dirt advocate on this episode and just support the French. I, I love the idea that this laissez-faire approach that I've been taking to my day job for the last better part of 12 years is just now seeping into the tennis world. And, you know, tests. Tests are so arbitrary. Why do we need yeah. to test? Let people just go out and about in the streets of Paris and why not have an honesty-based system sure. for healthcare? And I think it's it's working a treat yeah. at the moment. And look, I'm no scientist, but I think the numbers would back me up on that, Lightning. <laughs> they they may. I don't know which numbers you're reading, Catters. I'm unsure whether you can physically read numbers. Catters, the numbers suggesting cases are climbing. And I'm surprised. I'm alarmed that the French Open, having seen the template that was the incredible success of the US and their bubble and their bubble within the bubble, have then... You'd, you'd think that's a, a template you'd carry over to the French Open. You'd, you'd transplant it. And yet the French are doing none of this. They're not testing players when they arrive. They have hotels they're all staying in. But any old schmucks allowed to stay in the, in the hotel. Cutters, there's no regard for this whole global pandemic. Are you not alarmed? Are you not worried? Please, Lightning. I mean, seriously, maybe you talking to your bedroom mirror for the last 20 weeks consecutively has somehow stirred you up into a funk. But over here, mate, it's a little bit more liberal. It's the European mindset. Oh. We're just chilling out, man. Like America, if you believe in facts and you believe in hygiene, then sure, take those measures. But the French don't believe in either. They're just, uh, as I said back in the early 1970s, it starts with hairy armpits and it, <laughs> it ends with... 
catastrophic consequences. But hey, it's a liberal approach to life. And I'm looking forward to a real rock and roll open here. You know, mm-hmm. look, we've already established that if it's played on clay, then all bets are off. It's not really tennis. We can't classify it as a sport. So with that in mind, why don't we just go all out and let the players mix with civilization? Let them kind of get a little bit more cultured. The worst thing about the US Open bubble was that we ended up with players just thinking and talking about tennis all the time. And that's not good for anyone, Lightning. It's, I mean, it's not good for tennis. No. <laughs> no, it's not good for tennis. It had almost catastrophic consequences with Sasha's Zverev reaching a final. And I think that the French authorities have just hit the panic button, and uh, as I did myself. But, you know, I spoke to a therapist this week who said, slash personal healer, um, but legally I'm, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to call her that in public. And she said, it's going to be a good open lightning. So I'm keeping an open mind. And uh, she, she also told me to invest in Eugenie Bouchard's personal brand at the end of 2014. So she can't always be relied upon, but... But I'm, I'm keeping a positive mindset. Yeah, I understand that, Katis. I, I have heard the French are wanting to be a little bit more laissez-faire, as you say, and have gone away from the kind of overly sanitized US Open with face masks everywhere and bubbles and all that shindig. I believe the French are just letting players wear face masks, but only a face mask, just over their ghoulies, I believe. <laughs> so, you know, letting them stroll a little freer for the French. It's a low bar, but, you know, cover up your nudie bits and everything else is up for grabs. Metaphorically, I I legally must say that. But I think that's a great idea. I mean, why not? It's 2020, baby. I mean, anything goes. Sure. Kat, I can't say that I'm as confident as you. I mean, we... We're going to see 20,000 fans in the stands. And then later they had to reduce it to 11,500, then 5,000. And then only a few hours ago, they reduced it to 1,000 fans allowed in the Philip Chatrier uh, Stadium, or as I like to call, the Big Chat. And for me, you know, trying to uh, allow people in the Big Chat, it's just not good news. It is staggering, isn't it, Lightning? I mean, I was just saying the same last night to Benoit Pair in our post-mud wrestling sauna session that <laughs> I really thought they had a grasp of this and they keep changing their minds. And the, the, the struggle I have, Lightning, is you and I growing up, going to the Australian Open year in, year out getting those cheap ground passes in the early rounds, mm. it took us about six or seven years to realize that the first three rounds are rubbish. <laughs> they are an absolute waste of everyone's time. And the French Open has managed to sequence this in completely the wrong direction. So mm. you can have 5,000 people watching Chump A smash Chump B <laughs> into the devil's dirt. And by the time you get to the actual finals, you're going to have a guy and two women in some sort of menage a trois in the stands. And if I wanted to see that, I would have gone to the Cannes Film Festival earlier this year. <laughs> I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Well, Cutters, French Open upon us. My friend, tell me, what are you excited about in this year's French Open? Yeah, well, Lightning, as you can hear, I am up and about. I'm excited because I'm usually a little bit down on the French. Some of the more... (laughs) Diligent listeners might have picked up on some nuances in my tone in the past. But what has happened, Lightning, is that I'm suddenly thinking that Rafa Nadal 
may be beatable at the French. Hey. This might not be a foregone conclusion, and this is huge. Wow. I probably should have held off wow. with getting that 13th French Open trophy tattooed on my lower back. Um, it might have been a little bit preemptive on my champ stamp, as I like to refer to it. It'll happen eventually, I am really hoping. So our man, Rafa, it's, it's usually a foregone conclusion, but he came out and he beat up, he assaulted uh, mm. Buster mm. Move, 6-1-6-1. Now, this is not to be mistaken for Buster Gut. Uh, Buster Move had just made the US semifinals, so he was in good form yes. on a credible yeah, yeah. surface. However, take him mm. into the clay pit, and he got absolutely smashed by the king of clay that happens we understand it we basically thought rome was rafa's from the moment he arrived however rafa then takes on diego schwartzman Mm. little man in uh japanese i believe and so he comes out and schwartzman just played out of his four foot eight skin he was unbelievable Hitting balls left, right, and center. I don't know what it was. Was it the lack of fans? I would have thought the lack of fans to cheer on his winners when he can't see over the net would have helped him more, but it didn't affect him at all. And our little friend managed to slay the proverbial giant. And so Rafa, suddenly you think, look, I know he's had questionable lead-ins to the French Mm -hmm. Open prior, but he's had at least multiple tournaments. And Rafa, with only one tournament on clay under his belt leading up to the French, Mm -hmm. is problematic, I would say, Lightning. So this suddenly changes everything. Like I find myself questioning even the most basic things these days. Like I I certainly don't believe that eating an apple a day will keep the doctor away. And I... (laughs) (laughs) Is a bird in the hand worth two in the bush? Is it not worth three? (laughs) It's It's a good question that I've been contemplating. I talk a lot less to my family these days i'm a lot more introverted do i wear pants in public sometimes yes do i believe vaccinating my children is a good idea not sure it's hypothetical do i preach to others not to vaccinate theirs hell yes i do things are up in the air lightning and um as i was watching some doctored moon landing footage the other night i thought yes there is a damn good chance that Dominic team can reach out and take this trophy. Oh, well, I hear what you're saying, Catters. What was once bankable is no more. What will we see this French Open? We await to see. Catters, for me, this French Open, I think I'm most looking forward to the matchups. You know, we're starting to see tennis again, and I'm starting to remember that tennis is when you play other people. I'm in my bubble in Melbourne. I haven't seen other people in seven months. So actually seeing a player play another person is revolutionary, and we are about to see some crackers this French Open. It's really what you could say a a fundamental of the sport. I think it's the founding fathers. I mean, they did the first part right. Inventing the racket, inventing a ball, putting air in that said ball was a good idea. But the concept of only having half a court, I just thought, ridiculous. Why not mirror that half and challenge someone on the other side? And so for 30 odd years, tennis lay dormant. It was not a particularly good spectator sport. So Lightning, I think you're celebrating an important chapter in tennis. I mean, when Margaret Court used to play against that brick wall and won all those slams, (laughs) you can hardly compare eras. It's just not fair. And to be honest, it was an amazing victory when the wall took out the US Open. That was well (laughs) worth watching. Um, It was incredible that a young David Goffin could take on Margaret Court on her own territory. (laughs) 
So uh, for me, I'm celebrating the evolution of tennis, mm. player versus player. And in round one of this particular French Open, we're going to see some crackers, one of which will be Barinka versus Murray. Mm. Now, this is the battle of three-time Grand Slam champions in the first round. And it actually marks three and a half years since Murray last played Warinka. In fact, the last time they played was at the French in a five-set semi-final match, which turned out to be pretty much the end of Murray's run. It, he did his hip, he battled through it, and since then, as we know, turned full Robocop. And Warinka, after finishing his match, had to have two knee recos, two knee surgeries as a result of this one match, these two gladiators beating each other up. And this match will be the return to each other. Catters, surely that's got to wet the whistle. Surely you've got to be excited about that matchup. Oh, it has me very excited, Lightning. It's, I mean, I wanted to compare it to a scene in Rocky, but I haven't seen them all. But there's got to be a scene where Rocky and the Russian guy just literally knock each other out and are just laying on the ring and they both die. And then in the afterlife, or am I pitching to you, Rocky 9? I'm not sure. But, you know, in the afterlife, they come back and they have a second bout. And that's what's going on here. I mean, yes. the fact that both of them tried to physically end each other's career on clay, it's only fitting, a la a Marvel film, that Murray went away and as he was rolling down the wheelchair ramp, <laughs> turned around and said to Varinka, I'm going to rebuild my body piece by piece and I'm going to come back in a match of absolutely no significance in an early round at Roland Garros. And I'm going to challenge you. And Varinka went, cool, I'm going to invest my time in finding an app that can duplicate myself so that I'm multiplied in my selfies whilst I'm eating fondue and slacking off for a good three years consecutive. And then I'll see you back at Roland Garros. And so it's really a match made in... Uh, Middle you know, Earth? <laughs> match made in Middle uh, Earth. I, I didn't know what was between heaven and hell lightning. So th <laughs> thanks for helping me out. And it will be an epic battle. Of course, it'll be a tree falling in the forest with these two old oaks. That'll be one epic humdinger of a first round stinker, Cutters. Don't you worry about that. Cutters, there's another battle I am very excited about. Azarenka, a no one 12 months ago, has been following the well-worn path of Chong, has been rocketing back up the rankings, and she's taking all before it. And she's down to play Serena Williams mm. in round four is when they're likely to collide. She's won 13 of her last 14 matches. Coming from obscurity, needed a wild card to get into this tournament. And yet she's going to be talked about as one of the potential favorites of this Open. So Serena Azarenka is another matchup that I'm most looking forward to. Azarenka cutters, in fact, in the lead up to this tournament, took out Kennan, Sophia Kennan, a very recent Grand Slam champion, she double bageled her. Six love, six love. I mean, when do you see that cut as someone winning a slam and then having to do the two laps with the pants down? I mean, that that is unseen. So, As a ranker, it's just a beautiful story because you go from talking about two old, grizzled, washed up players like Maria and Varenka, and then you look at Azarenka and you go... This shouldn't be happening. It should not be yes. possible that Azarenka succumbs to injuries and then has a child, has custody battles off the court. Um, she was trying to adopt Diego Schwartzman, which I think is still undergoing proceedings, <laughs> and then manages to come back and just, not just come back, but just yeah. destroy all before her. 
But I did notice in Rome Lightning that uh, Azarenka was complaining at the change of ends that her chair was so high, so big, that she couldn't actually reach the ground with her feet. So she looked like a five-year-old sitting in a high chair. And it was quite demeaning, to be honest, Lightning, and absolutely hilarious. I just wanted to capture it as a gif and send it to my friends all around the world because it was one of those moments where you go, empowered, strong woman sitting in... A high chair. And so she asked the chair umpire, who also probably had his legs dangling up there just out of empathy, whether she could have some sort of stool or box to rest her legs on at the change events, which should not be an outrageous request. But I thought it was a nice touch that they brought out Sophia Kennan, who she'd just beaten Six Love, Six Love in the previous round, to have to actually huddle in front of her and be the footstool, the physical footstool. And to me, I just think that's the innovation tennis needs. Anyone who's a former champion who gets double bageled should automatically become the footstool to that person. Be a footstool. Yes, until they can then double bagel someone else. And is it bullying? Absolutely. Is it amusing? Yes. When you get double bageled, you get what you deserve. Well said, Cutters. Well said. There was also a story I really loved coming out of that tournament, Cutters. Azarenka was playing Katsatkina, you know, the 74th, of course, favourite of both you and I, and who just had this unfortunate turn during a match where she just got kind of violently ill. She felt sick, but she also had an incident where she'd hurt her ankle. Right. And as a rinker... Did she also get struck by lightning or what? She wasn't having a good game by the sounds of it. <laughs> exactly. It was pretty much, you know, the locusts. It was all <laughs> happening. All So... Azarenka to the rescue. She came running over. She grabbed a towel and wiped the sweat off her face. She, uh, you know, came and sat next to her and consoled her. She uh, even sat down and offered words of encouragement to her and then kissed the top of her head. Wow. And then Katitskina said she was so appreciative of the touching gesture that she reached out to grab Azarenka's hand and thanked her for her compassion. It was this amazingly touching scene. And then Azarenka picked up her bags and took her bags off court. And in all of that, I think she broke 64 protocols uh, during this COVID time. So went away with an unfortunate $650,000 fine. But, you know, but it was also touching. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see, how many no. times, see how many times you can return your serve also. No, you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. It's time for Fed Up and Poo Down. Cut is a segment in which we ask who's going to be the next Federer. And who is going to fail to deliver on that potential and become the next Mark the Poo? Philippousis. So, Catters, this week, who is your fed up and who is your poo down? Well, Lightning, Saimbanu. Uh, Saimbanu. Uh, sorry? Which for our listeners in Mongolia, of course, means uh, we are the number one tennis podcast. All the rest of you inferior podcasts can suck it. <laughs> um, very concise language. Yes. They're a nation of efficiency cutters, and I think that's why we resonate so much with our listeners. <laughs> exactly. No, I just wanted to uh, formally put on the record that we are huge fans of Mongolians, mm. and Mongolians are huge fans of us, because we are number one on the tennis podcast list on iTunes Mongolia, and that is... Should have deserved a tattoo if I hadn't used up all the space on the 13th trophy for Rafa. But Mongolia, I will find pride of place for you because you're a nation that's always been close to my heart. In fact, yeah, that's probably not a bad position. I'll keep you updated on that. 
wonderful country, wonderful people. We look forward to doing a live tour there soon, Lightning. I guess that's the obvious plan. Um, Basically, just to provide a bit of background, when I set up the podcast, I may have clicked some of the wrong buttons and put us under comedy. Could have been worse, Lightning. It could have been under, you know, pets or... Dating. Yeah, dating or politics. But we were under comedy. And look, as funny as I think I am, Lightning's gag ratio hit rate hasn't been the best and we just haven't been able to find the top gear in that category so we managed to flip over to tennis a bold move i think but we've been discussing it partially for some time now and we have seen ourselves shoot up like the proverbial reverse eugenie bouchard up the rankings in all countries and lightning i'm happy to announce we are number two in the nation of Denmark. Wowzers. Which is brilliant. I'm very proud personally now that I hold a Danish passport. We are in the top 50 in the US. We went up 41 positions overnight. Wow. In Australia, we're number seven, which is not bad. Wow. So I'm pretty happy with how we're trending at the moment. And I just wanted to encourage all listeners out there to rate, review, subscribe, hug a Mongolian, do everything you can to keep this momentum moving forward. Exactly. And don't listen to him, Mongolian fans. He has plenty of room on that back fat for some more tattoos. So if you've got a a great Mongolian phrase or a favorite Mongolian tennis player, let us know. Uh, We'd love to get that on there somehow. Kat, as I can only assume, perhaps some of their listeners has heard us talk about the goats and uh, just assumed that our goat talk <laughs> might have resonated with them as a nation. So, uh, Kat, is, it's a very reasonable fed up to say that we are the next fed. And I think you're not understating things there, which I think is important. So, Kat, is who then, by contrast, is your poo down? Well, Lightning, not everyone can be a winner in the game of life <laughs> like the backhanders. My poo down goes to petty sexism. Of course. It's been a real passion of mine to tackle the big issues. And look, sexism, I've got no problem with sexism by and large. But if you're going to swing, <laughs> swing for the rafters, Lightning. <laughs> petty sexism, Lightning. It does nobody any favors. And I noted with great interest last weekend that Novak Djokovic, when winning his Rome title, was awarded the prize money of 205,200 euros. Yes. And when Simona Halep won the same title for Rome, she was given the prize money of 205,190 euros. (laughs) So, Lightning, I am getting up... Wait, sorry, you might not be able to hear me. I am climbing my high horse so that I can (laughs) shout down to you and say... Rome officials, 10 euros difference. How petty do you want to be? I know you still want to send some sort of subliminal signal that women have not arrived quite yet on parody. But 10 euros, really? I know you probably used that amount of cash to buy as a ranker a footstool, but there's no need to take it out of the pot of cash for the eventual winner. It just comes across as petty. It is an extraordinarily small amount of differential in the top prize cutters. Yeah, and I think also, you know, just the fact that they presented Halep with a winner's trophy that was 0.002% smaller than the men's. Look, might not be discernible to the average punter, but for me, it was a massive slap in the face for a gender that I've been rallying behind for at least the better part of the last two minutes. <laughs> Oh, well said, Catters. You are a different man. 
not a popular man <laughs> in women's circles, but Lightning, what's your fed up? Catters, for me, my fed up this week is uh, a man you may have heard of. His name is Roger Federer. Okay. And for me, when the man went down with a season-ending knee injury, we thought that was it. That was all said and done, that we wouldn't hear from him again. And when he had a second knee surgery, we thought... He's just doing it for kicks, you know? He just likes <laughs> symmetry. Pardon the pun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was much harder to do those kicks uh, post-surgery. I've been sold a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this for kicks at all. Ah, ooh, ee, ooh, ah. Uh, he's just a competitive man cutters. And <laughs> after getting to 20 slams, he thought, well, I've got one knee, Ricky. I reckon I can get two and then three. And he thought Stan the Man had actually had 20 knee Ricos because he'd cloned himself. <laughs> and that was the new high bar that he had to hit. <laughs> he is a competitive beast, our Roger. Exactly. So we, we assume, Kat, is he'd be on that same scrap heap that Murray and Warinka are on. And yet, Federer has found a way to not only stay active, but to stay particularly active mm. in not allowing the Joker and Nadal to chase him down. He started by creating the coronavirus catters. I mean, a small step, but a, mm. but a reasonably... <laughs> Yeah, a reasonably destructive one. Yeah. Because Federer has just found ways to just undermine at the US Open, he'd kind of hacked Djokovic's psychological profile, realized his susceptibility to certain players at certain times, and just using the right Zoom link was able to kind of heckle Djokovic at just the right time, causing him to assault that line judge. Mm. Recently, he's been at it again. Fed's been seeping in, this time, I believe, in the ear of a chair umpire during a recent Djokovic game. When Djokovic was starting to look strong in the Rome Masters, takes out a beautiful forehand down the line, wins the game only for the umpire to say, game Federer, but, uh, Djokovic. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible moment. He is just finding ways to stay active, to stay in other players' heads, even when he's not on the circuit. This guy is... The most competitive beast cutters, more than we've given him credit for. So apparently he's put in a request to the French Open to ensure that Djokovic has 12 linesmen around <laughs> his courts, uh, each with laryngitis. So uh, anyone with a throat infection or bronchitis. Bigger targets. Love it. <laughs> exactly. Love it. So don't be surprised if Djokovic is just not ever able to knock up that 20th slam cutters. So he's pulling out all stops. I believe he's been trolling Uncle Tony on social media <laughs> and saying that Rafa's been seeing other players. Oh. And uh, I mean, he will just go to whatever extremes he has to, to, to not allow the other two of the big three to gain slams on him. Mm. So let's wait to see what, what Fed pulls out this tournament, Cutters. And how about your poo down lightning? Cut as my poo down is uh, none other than uh, Mark the Pooh Philippoussis. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Very on brand today. Yeah. <laughs> Fair and fitting, Kat, as we uh, had a revelation come out this week in our Australian papers when the poo was interviewed and we knew he was a wild child. We knew he was a little loose, was Mark the Scud. We didn't realise how loose. This was a bloke who literally said in his interview that he owned, he changed cars more regularly than people would mow lawns. Apparently at one time he owned 15 motorcycles. This guy would literally just go out and buy Lamborghinis just at will and apparently... 
we, we heard one classic story where he'd heard of a new car a few hundred miles up the road in Florida and he and a mate jumped in the car and were just hammering it only to spin the car, trash it and leave it turned over by the side of the road. And his mate saying, look, we've got to get home, Mark. And he said, nah, we're so close to this new car dealer. So off he goes up the highway, <laughs> it gets to the area where there's a car dealer on each side of the road and says to either of them, whoever gets there, your best car on the road, the quickest, I'll drive it home. <laughs> and uh, his mate going, nah, we got to catch a taxi home. And he's like, I'm not catching no taxi. I want to take this Corvette home. You know, all this Dodger, it was, you had all these big names just throwing cars at him, lays $100,000 down drives at home because he refused to take a taxi, thought he was too big for a taxi, only to then get home. And because he's a massive bloke, six three six four, he couldn't fit in the car and sold it on the next day. Oh, Unbelievable. Just... So we are starting to hear a bit more about why we suspected as tennis fans, Cutters, we weren't getting a fully committed, fully there Mark the Poo Philippusis. So, so many thoughts in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> However many you had in that head, Cutters, is more than Philippusis ever had in his. First of all, there's got to be some sort of Freudian compensation going on that he couldn't buy a second serve, yet he's bought 15 motorcycles. <laughs> and then just thinking about, you know, the fact that this guy was like a father figure to the next generation. No wonder we've produced Tommy, Kyrgios, uh, you know, Savage Garden. <laughs> The bushfires. I blame him for so many things. <laughs> I retrospectively blame him for the Woody splitting up before he even started his career. <laughs> you owe me apology. I have never cheated in my life. Killer violation. Verbal abuse. It's not touching the line. I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Cat is time for a segment called Mixed Troubles, of course, where we look at not only the intense action on court, but the intense action off court. Cat, as you'd be surprised to know that the feud is continuing between one Nick Curios and Boris Becker. Unbelievable. Curios during the week posted a picture of himself with the caption, different breed. Uh, no idea what that's about. I think he just misspelt bread to be honest, but... Uh, <laughs> Hashtag sponsored. <laughs> exactly. Of course, Boris, never one to let a grammatical error sneak through to the keeper, responded with, in your dreams. And of course, that was enough for the feud to blow up. And so off the exchanges have gone back and forward and curious saying stuff like hating like a groupie and lingering around like a bad smell. And then went on to say he's gone from wanting to coach me, obviously for his desperate need of a paycheck, to hating on my Instagram. Strange world we live in. So Curios unhappy with the trolling of one Boris Becker. So Catas only hours ago, Curios came out and said, Boris Becker, maybe we can go back to tweeting and you commenting on my Instagram like a 10-year-old after you finish dealing with what you need to deal with. Of course, then with the shh emoji. Oh. I just think it's really sad. I mean, you've got one man who is an aspiring champion, young Saint Nick, and you've got a ginger ornament to the game. And these two just need to come together 
and break that misspelt bread that you were mentioning, Lightning. If they could just, wouldn't that be beautiful? It really surprises me that people could say something mean to each other online. It just, call, call me naive, Lightning, but it just makes me so sad. Of course, it's given me a few LOLs, as the kids might say, um, but... And who could have predicted these two would be at loggerheads, Cutters? So that's that's what's come across my desk. You, Cutters, have you been keeping an eye on the socials? What's been, uh, what have you noticed? Yes, I have a mixed trouble myself, Lightning. Mm-hmm. It involves Diana Yastremska, who some of our listeners might recall was also in hot water for a partial blackface post yes. a few yes. months ago. Her attempt to support the Black Lives Matter movement, a little bit misguided perhaps, but she was on the Twitter with her coach where after losing in an early round to Naomi Osaka in the US Open, let's face it, nothing to be ashamed of, her coach Sasha Bayan tweeted congratulations to at Naomi Osaka and her team. She was the better player out there today and good luck for the rest of the tournament, which I thought was a fairly innocuous tweet. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it was set upon by Yastrzemska, who replied with a tweet at Big Sasha and at Naomi Osaka. I always thought that I remained the best player on the court in your eyes, even if I lose. <laughs> Knife emoji, hammer emoji, <laughs> hammer to the cherries emoji. So it uh, it was a swift blow to... The proverbial cyber cherries of Big Sasha. Well, at least you had the the cherries to back it up, Yastrzemska, when you fired him 10 days later. So... Oh, classic. Just, uh, you know, a little bit more petty sexism, Catters, just for the, you know, Chris for the mill. Please don't patronise me. I, I would have no, no. You are in the way you're asking in the way you're asking your question. You have been quite disrespectful, and you are patronising me. I'm a professional competitor who did her best today. Cutters, time to bring this sucker home. Cutters, we are on the verge of a French Open four months later than initially planned, but about to begin, about to get underway. It's time to hear some predictions, to make some bold claims for who we think is going to take it out. Cutters, this year we're looking at an Open without Osaka, without Barty, which means the current slam holder and last year's champ both won't be here. Benchik, Switzerland's Benchik, just pulled the pin to be the fourth player in the top ten, not there. So we're seeing an open women's field. We're also seeing Murray and Bouchard and Pirinkova get wild cards at the expense of... Kim Clijsters, so some interesting things to keep our eye on. Cutters, the form guide suggests Novak Djokovic is on fire. He's just taken out his 36th Masters title. Uh, Nadal not winning that one, and Halep uh, smashed it too. So they're the form players coming in. I was looking over the draw, Cutters, and noticed Dominic Team's draw. He, of course, is one of the favourites. He is, of course, just coming off a US Open success. Katis, tell me what you make of this draw for young Dominic. Round one, Marin Cilic, then Apelko, then Kasper Rudd, then Stan Wawrinka, then Gail Monfils, then in the semi-final one, Rafael Nadal, followed by a final against Novak Djokovic. I think he's then slated to play LeBron James in a quick little one-on-one, uh, closest to the pin with Tiger, and then face off in an ethical argument with Margaret Court. So he has it all before him, Kaz. Uh, 
Has there been a harder draw in the open era? <laughs> That is incredibly tough. I mean, shocking draw lightning. I will go ahead and give you my predictions. So after casting some doubt around Rafa, I have to go for him because I just simply cannot (laughs) imagine a world. As you saw earlier, lightning, quite a lot of my sanity will be relying on the fact that Rafa comes through with the trophy and... I think that you just can't bet against a man who has has won it 12 times. So my bold prediction, Lightning, is that Rafa wins. On the women's side, I'm going for Simona Halep. She won Rome convincingly, Mm. and she looks unstoppable on clay at the moment. I think she's all the better for the break, and it's going to be hard to see her not being the champion this year. For my dark horses, Shapovalov. Ooh, hello. Denis Shapovalov. He's been climbing up the charts and the rankings lately. And (laughs) I can just see the Shap dominating the Shat in 2020. (laughs) And for the women's dark horse, she is a dark horse because I learned her name about five minutes ago. And her name is Von Druskova. And I just have a good feeling when I see that many consonants surrounded by vowels and a Russian flag next to it, I feel good about things. So in the cosmic gamble that is life lightning, I would hazard a guess that she will at least progress to the point where there will be no fans attending. I'd like to introduce another segment, Lightning, and it's it's called Such a Shame. No, it's called Lame Horse. And Lame Horse, as opposed to Dark Horse, is... A number. I want a hard figure as to how many players are going to withdraw as a result of COVID. At the risk of sounding uh, uh, heartless. As the French say, flippant. <laughs> flippant. Exactly, Lightning. I would hazard a guess that we will see 11 players withdraw. Oof. You know, it might just be the inside information I got from Benoit Pairs games night yesterday evening. <laughs> But I have a good feeling about this. So I think the draw could open up. Yes. Lightning, what about you? Cutters, for me, I believe Dominic team will win through. It sounds mm. stunning, but I feel as though he's just got some some smarts that will be able to take down Margaret Court in that ethical closer. And <laughs> when he does, it will be one for the ages to have come through all of those incredible matchups. So. Gay marriage, it's not a joke. <laughs> and I think you you really have summarized the, the nuances of the ethics behind that with that statement, Dominic. Exactly. He's a succinct man. He's got a, a punchy forehand and a punchy argument down the line too, and he'll take it out this year, Cutters, fresh off his US Open. I just feel at some point there has to be a change, and I think that the fact that Nadal has been... A mega rule follower and hiding away in an ISO cave for the last seven months not practicing is actually going to be make it a fascinating French Open. Will he be possibly the first ever defending champion to retire as a result of exposure to natural light? (laughs) Potentially. Ever since Albino Gonzalez (laughs) from the early 1950s. Ever since that tennis tournament in Pennsylvania got shut down. Uh... Ah, yes. The pale poncho, lest we forget. (laughs) And then, of course, on the women's side, I too think Simona Halep. We both last tournament predicted Julie Osaka, and maybe we'll do it again here with Simona Halep. My dark horse. Is Julie Osaka Naomi's sister? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) 
It really helped that she was playing behind a mask. I mean, there was a hamstring injury <laughs> and the old switcheroo. Bring in Julia Saka. <laughs> oh, await the new and improved. Not It's not 20 Stan Marinkas. It's 20 uh, Julia Sakas who are going to come on to court all at the one time yep. uh, to play My Dark Horse, who is... As a ranker catters, I believe, mm. as an unseated player. She, you know, ruffled some feathers in the US, and I think she might do it again here. Not convinced she'll take it out, but enough to warrant being my dark horse. And Berrettini, the Italian on his favourite surface as a top 10 player. And for me, he's in megaphone range of multiple fans. So <laughs> that could really just get him over the line here. <laughs> Is there any way to lobby that we can both share Yustremska as a partial dark horse through this tournament? <laughs> So, Kat, as for me, I, I, I just sense maybe it will be the year of Dominic team. I, I just sense that for Joker, there's a lot of punchable linesmen at the French Open. And <laughs> yes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he just can't keep the gun in the holster and, uh, you know, goes on a, a hitting spree. So I think we should be afraid of both the spread of COVID and a machine gun of tennis balls raining down on uh, the chat. Mm. So I would be looking out for that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's more than understandable when playing the French that he might experience a case of deja vu. A case of deja vu. <laughs> a case of deja vu. <laughs> Have we not been here before? <laughs> well, Cat is for me my lame horse prediction. I believe there will be even more cases. I'm going to tip 15 <laughs> cases, Catters, as my lame horse prediction. Uh, but Catters, 16 if you include the pair. <laughs> Uh, uh, Benoit Pair. Excellent. So we will see, Catters, whether our lame horse predictions come true. Catters, we need to wrap up. We need to again remind you to help us climb those ratings now that Catters has put us in the correct weight division. We can actually fight alongside those other podcasts that we should be competing with. But listeners, we'd love you to get the word out there so that others in Mongolia can jump on board. A nation who sorely needs tennis commentary to bring its tennis literacy up to speed. So please, please, for the good of Mongolia and for all those Mongolian tennis players out there. I'm not going to say that I'm going to play the Mongolian national anthem as an outro, but I'm also not going to rule it out, Lightning. I just... <laughs> Oh, and we do look forward to that. So until next time, please check us out on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, share the love of the Backhanders podcast. And until listeners, you hear us midway through the French Open where we will check in on our predictions, our lame horse, our dark horse, and keep you up to speed with everything that's happening in this year's 2020 French Open. Until then, just remember, Chimagui, Bagarai. Oh.